Right. Everything is looks better. Tickety boom. Right. External microphone. Microphone. That's the one. That's the one. You want external. Ah. Yes, I'm on external now. Yeah, you sound better now. Oh, fantastic. I knew I knew there was something wrong. That real tech audio thing is the computer. Ah. That's the computer sound card. That's why I said it didn't sound right. When you said real tech, I was like, hang on. No, no. God bless you all and may God protect our troops and all those who stand to watch over our democracy. But act. May Zeus bless America. May Zeus indeed, Jesus Lord. Oh. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll leave it for the the, the the podcast. But this that was anyway. We'll leave it for the podcast. We've got what I love is your clips hardly even touch the surface of what went on this week with the, all the other side of it. But good because we always focus too much on donkey rather than <laughs> the current the current man. All right, yeah. you ready? We you, yeah. you, re you ready to do it? Okay, right. Okay. Do you, is there anything you wanted to add to it, Dave? I'm going to add as we go. I've got stuff oh, in right, here okay. like Tennessee, vaccine, Mark Miley, Ruchstag, Nazis outside, naked power Problem. grab from the Republicans, Russian intelligence papers, Pence wouldn't get in the car. No. It's not you. Well, films is not your thing, right? No. But um, basically, do you know what the Marvel comics are all about and Thor and, you know, the gods yep. and Do Doctor yep. Strange? You, you've seen yep. these comic books over years, yep. right? So basically, they've made 20 odd films, and the last one they made, the big one, Avengers Endgame, was basically all the good superheroes fighting um, uh, the evil baddie called Thanos and his, his minions and whatever, right? So what happened was, is this came out, and then not long after was the presidential election. Mm -hmm. And somebody had a lot of fun. There's a lot, a lot of fun. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you will understand it if, when you see it. Hang on, I'll just load it up for you. Enjoy. All of these states that we've won tonight, and then you take a look at the kind of margins that we've won them by. Frankly, we did win this election. Will you Who shut up, your, man? Listen, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. On your left. Georgia that says this. I recognize the faces. Well, he's meant to be the Black Panther Obama. We can't just imagine a better future. We've got to fight for it. I'm speaking. Kamala Harris. We are all <laughs> voting to stop. Bernie Sanders is the Grand Wizard, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Somebody did have fun. Oh my I God. I wonder, Peter Buttigieg. He won't fight! 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 Oh my God. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. 
very creative. Not everyone, but you wanted more. Oh my God! Resurrected from the dead. Resurrected. Now, every vote must be counted. No one's going to take our democracy away from us. Avengers! Assemble. <laughs> Somebody had uh, a lot of fun, Dave. They did, didn't they? That was that's like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, is the is the is the biggest battle you did ever see in in if you watch the real version. But uh, yeah, someone literally they must have made that you know super fast. Brilliant. I do like there's all a, of these images appearing. Kamala oh, Harris like flying through the... It's quite good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I do like oh. it. All right, no worries. So, are you ready? Pity ready already? Mm. Pity we don't have any visuals. It would be wonderful to see it. No, one day we'll right. have a TV show. One day. One day. Oh, there's show 31 on this day that may reach 31 degrees. I don't know what that is I in Fahrenheit. Know. You'll have to do the mathematics. I know. God. It's oh. three to one, isn't it, roughly? Or is it two to one? Right. You ready to go? Yeah. All good. Let's do it. To this week's Des and Dave. In America this week, there are two kinds of America. The vaccinated and the infected. We must act and we will act, said President Biden at his Philadelphia speech. U.S. judge held hearings on whether to sanction lawyers who sought to reverse Biden's win in Michigan. Indicted Trump Organization Chief Finance Officer Alan Weissenberg has been removed as an officer at 40 of Trump's company subsidiaries. Texas Democrats flee states to avoid voting in special legislative sessions. And in other news, scientists from around the world have called the UK's actions of easing restrictions as murderous. And the famous science journal The Lancet is describing Chris Whitty as misrepresenting the opinions of the scientific community. 
Sajid Javid, Health Secretary, tested positive for COVID. Johnson and the Chancellor Rishi Sunak were going to use a special scheme not to isolate after being in contact with Sajid. But after announcing that on Sunday morning, a few hours later, reversing the decision and they will now isolate. One rule for them and one rule for us. And in Ballywatikok in Northern Ireland, temperatures have recorded their highest in living memory, 31.2 Celsius. All that and more from Des and Dave. I can't get my words out of this. That was some fabulous trumpet playing there, my friend. Fabulous. Very good. It was our 31st podcast, Dave. Yes. Who would have Adam and Eve it and believed it? But we got there. <laughs> podcast 31. Did you like that it, about Ballywattycock? <laughs> I did. It was very interesting. But I, I was going to say to you, what we did just then, we, we actually transported ourselves back to 1765, because that piece of music was by Haydn's Symphony, number 31, um, and it's called, um, it was called um, Horn, Horn Signal. It gave prominence, prominence, that particular piece of music to an unusual large horn section. So I think it was about four, four, play, four, four plays. But um, just a little bit about Haydn because we've never covered him before. He was born in Austria in, 19, in 1732, died in 1809, and he was about 77, and was a composer and instrumental, an instrumental in the development of chamber music. And David, you might like this little bit. And his contribution to music earned him the epithet, father of the symphony. Now, you, we're used to father of the house, but this is, father of the symphony and father of the string quartet. <laughs> I thought it's a delightful little, little ruse you might like. But I'm going to I'm gonna have to ban you from using the cheating with your classical musical numbers. <laughs> it's definitely an easy cheat now. I've seen a few of these over some weeks. You know, <laughs> next week will be Beethoven's 32nd symphony or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, 31 was a bit of a challenge, Dave. I'll have to say that. I'm sure there are other stranger numbers coming out there. What's the answer to the universe? Is it 42 or something? I think that one you'll be able to do quite well with. It's <laughs> like, what is the answer of the universe? 42 seems to be the answer. Well, there's it's been another excruciating week. We've had revelation, not daily, hourly. Like even just before we started reporting, re recording this podcast, 
I showed you a little bit of news that you didn't know that two of the people that have been um, indicted for um, bombing or attempting to bomb the Democratic headquarters in Washington had a white privilege card on them. White privilege card printed Maybe. like a credit card that says white privilege trumps everything. And the credit card number is 0045 repeated four times. I mean, this is who they were. That's who the insurrectionists were. And we'll get on to some of the other revelations of this week. But has anything stood out for you this week? There's uh, amongst everything that has come out. Well, this notion that there are two kinds of America has particularly stood out for me. Um, and uh, they, they were described as the vaccinated and the infected. And um, perhaps the card is a description of one of those two. <laughs> one of those two options. And the the thing for me was that infections appeared to be arising at an alarming rate in America. And it's trying to find out why this is. Um, it could be the it could be the danger of the new variant. Um, but we also saw from um, data evidence an increase in hospital admissions and deaths, predominantly amongst anti-vaxxer states. Because five of the top six states in America, in the US, where COVID is rising at an alarming rate, are Republican. Curiously enough, some of these are evangelical Christians. Um, and I've seen quite a few articles on people who've died recently who describe themselves as evangelical Christians. And they take a peculiar attitude and says, the, these evangelical Christians who died of COVID did not die. They have been raptured by God to save them from the virus, which is why the leaders of the evangelical movement went first. God was saving his own. I find that quite extraordinary. The, the, the thing is, ultimately, it's huge numbers of Republicans that you tend to find in this anti-vaxxer camp. And when we say anti-vaxxers, we don't mean the people that are vaccine hesitant, that are like, oh, I'm not sure, and so on, and all the rest of it, and have genuine questions they want answered, and so on. But people have to understand, scientifically, this is the most closely monitored vaccination program on the planet. It is the biggest sample study because millions of people have been receiving it all at the same time, rather than just, you know, every bunch of 11 year olds receiving their uh, tuberculosis or whatever. But the anti-vaxxers are the true ones who believes that they are poisoning their body. I mean, forget about the chlorinated chicken the Americans eat, but, and what's happened most worryingly is in Tennessee, where the question was simply asked to public health professionals, if teenagers turn up, without their parents, like a 16 or a 17 year old, will you vaccinate them? So the chief medical officer for Tennessee wrote to the courts and asked like, what is the jurisdiction and getting some kind of definition. And she was handed down something from over 40 years ago, which was basically, if it's in the needs of the child and deemed to be the best thing, then they can receive it if they're over 14 years old. So she shared this information in a memo like she would normally do with any other memo, you know, this many grams and so on. And she was promptly 
fired. And then the legislature have decided now that all vaccinations in Tennessee are now illegal. Any kind of vaccine, not just for Corona. So you've got a situation where the Republicans are trying to disenfranchise because we haven't done this in so many degrees of, of detail, but most of the Republican states in 47 state houses, there is legislation trying to pass through about voter restrictions. At the same time, we're trying to stop people voting Democrat, I'd imagine, with the Republicans. And what you've got is this situation where they've also got so much fake news out there about the vaccine that they're killing off their own supporters. Trump's had the vaccine, remember. Trump's been yep. vaccinated. Yep. So has most of his family. And not all, all the right-wing news reporters and so on that still rally against it. Like, it, it truly, I don't understand what they think they are achieving on what level with the with especially with the vaccine because don't you want to keep your supporters alive so you can have their vote anyway let's get into it Des. where, where are we going first there was a, a clip you liked from a few friends of mine <laughs> i just wanted to say something very quickly before we move on to that day which is that i've really got a question for trump's aid and the question is simply this and it's been prompted actually by um another piece of information I had, which I'll share with you in a second, and is why didn't anyone feel dishonor working for Trump? And why did nobody quit? I don't get it. But Mark, Mark Miley, is that it? The four-star, highly decorated general um, who's credited with stopping Trump when he wanted to put national guards on the streets of America. And I heard this week that he had a contretour with Trump and he pointed to the portrait of Abraham Lincoln and he said to Trump that this man, Abraham Lincoln, had an insurrection. What you have is a protest. And I thought that was a very powerful thing for this four-star general to say. And very brave thing, because not well, many did people confront. He did a sight more than that. He also contacted the head of the CIA, the head of the FBI. He told them we're going to put, after the insurrection, he told them we're going to put a ring of steel around Washington. These people are Nazis. This is our Reichstag moment. And we need to protect the Constitution and America and ensure a smooth transition of power. Like we were told little bits, but never so clearly. And that's come out in some revelations this week. And what's also materialized was the fact that Trump, during all of the insurrection moments, all the aides were trying their best. And it seems like Ivanka was actually the one who kept being called into the Oval Office and tag teaming Trump basically to try and get him to act and do something. And then what seems to have really tipped it over the edge, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, but we now have it confirmed, is that the White House counsel's office, which is the lawyers in the White House, basically, arrived to various staff members and said, if you don't act, you will be personally culpable. And then all of a sudden, gears start grinding in motion. So 
you know, when you say about people taking responsibility, there's, I think they were shouting at him behind the scenes. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, the most interesting one is Mike Pence. So it came out that we know he was ushered off the Senate floor and so on and so on. But he was taken down to the bunker and then told to get in his car. And he said to his agent at the time, I'm not going to get in that car. I trust you, but you're not driving this car inferring that he didn't know where that car would take him and if Trump had had something else organised for him. Yet this man still doesn't speak out. I mean, yeah, yeah. That was just a teeny amount of the revelations that came out this week, eh? And we haven't even played a clip yet. And our first clip is which side from the Lincoln Project? It was an attack on the American Capitol assault on the temple of our democracy a plot to destroy us all the attackers followed a sick and corrupted ideology promoted by a charismatic leader obsessed with grievances and wild conspiracies driven by fear willing to take innocent lives for their leader on that day our capital was saved from destruction only by the bravery of a handful of Americans with nothing in common but their love for this nation and their willingness to answer the call to courage. That day was the terrorist attack of September 11, 2001. Al-Qaeda's attack on the Capitol was thwarted only by brave Americans willing to die to protect us all. There have only been two large-scale terrorist attacks planned against the U.S. Capitol. January 6th was ordered by an American president. Where do you stand? With the terrorists or America? Where do you stand, Desmond? Dave, that was incredibly impressive. That was What's impressive. missing is that people didn't have the imagery that a lot of it is the 9-11 stuff. Um, that is what you can see on the screen, but it's making obviously the comparison with what happened with the insurrection. And I think what the Republicans are currently doing, whereas before with corporate America, you had to dig about, you had to search, people at least tried to put a veil and a shroud over the dodginess that they were doing. It is now a naked power grab where they are trying to disenfranchise any voter they can in order to stay in power. So you will destroy the very system that you seek to take power of. And the cost is people's votes. I, don't, I just, I can't see, there is no easy way out for them. And also the Democrats have to act. It's in their name. If they don't, then what are they doing? And um, as we've mentioned many times on the program, there is the filibuster. And Ultimately, at the moment, it seems that the Democrats could stand on a united ticket as an exception to the filibuster because you can pass certain things, um, and they have done before with the Supreme Court nomination um, or, or other things. So they're talking about having this as an exemption in order to pass the Voters' Rights Act. And is it the, oh God, what's his name? It was the guy in it, not John Lee. Um, John, something is the other actors. Come on, help us out. <laughs> I will do it. I will do it in a very second. But I just wanted to just to focus on something you just said. 
and which is that during Biden's speech, the 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 message in his speech was that the Americans, which is the point that you're making here, the Americans must act. America must act. Is what Biden's said in his recent Philadelphia speech. But more importantly, what he's saying is that he, or rather his promising, is that he will act. And that's a very powerful message to carry across the whole uh, country in America, because I think people are slowly realizing that this is a very important point in America's history. Does America remain democratic or does it become autocratic? Because you cannot have a, a democracy if people do not believe in the integrity of the vote. And we know what Trumpians falsely believe, but they don't make up 100% of America. There is still the other, which is significantly larger proportion of America. Um, they don't believe that. And you cannot deny people the right to vote, especially, and this is the key issue, I think, for me anyway, in, in the current American situation, especially the majority. It's the majority of Americans who are opposed to Trump and the marginalized who are opposed to Trump. And this is the people that the um, Republicans are working very hard to extinguish their fire so they don't count. And they cannot expect to silence these people without a fright. I wouldn't call it a fight, a fright. So um, for me, this dilemma confronts both Republicans and Democrats, because you cannot, what they're saying is fundamentally, is you cannot hide behind lies and mistruths. And that's clearly what's very evident here. And America must, and, and the president now, in a federal capacity, must act, um, and must act. And we'll talk about the um, we will talk about the elections a little later on, Dave. I'm going to leave that for a little later on, and we'll talk about um, some of the issues that you've just made reference to, because I uh, I just think that I would quite like to know what, how you see it, because this this card that you've just white privilege card that you've just described is actually quite frightening <laughs> because I'm thinking the majority of Americans are listening to this and saying, hang on a minute, you've now got a minority white privilege card because white people in America, let's face it, let's be real, they are the minority. They're no longer the majority and they're moving in that direction even more rapidly than perhaps even they had thought. So this has now become an issue. You stumped me. <laughs> no, it's 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 it's. Uh, I think most Americans are actually stumped on this issue, to be honest with you, because it is it is it is a fear of the growth in the brown population in America that's causing all of this. And instead of finding me mechanisms to discuss, talk, and perhaps to wean some of these people on your side, they're declaring war against them. It just seems to me crazy. But 
I will move on now to just something else, Dave. Perhaps we could hear Biden talk about the 2020 election um, being the most scrutinized ever in American history before we move on. With recount after recount after recount, court case after court case, the 2020 election was the most scrutinized election ever in American history. Challenge after challenge brought to local, state, and election officials, state legislatures, state and federal courts, even to the United States Supreme Court, not once, but twice. More than 80 judges, including those appointed by my predecessor, heard the arguments. In every case, neither cause nor evidence was found to undermine the national achievement of administering the historic election in the face of such extraordinary challenges. Audits, recounts were conducted in Arizona and Wisconsin. In Georgia, it was recounted three times. It's clear for those who challenge the results and question the integrity of the, the election, no other election has ever been held under such scrutiny and such high standards. The big lie is just that, a big lie. The 2020 election, it's not hyperbole, suggests the most examined and the fullest expression of the will of the people in the history of this nation. This should be celebrated, an example of America at its best. But instead, we continue to see an example of human nature at its worst, something darker and more sinister. In America, if you lose, you accept the results. You follow the Constitution. You try again. You don't call facts fake and then try to bring down the American experiment just because you're unhappy. That's not statesmanship. That's not statesmanship. That's selfishness. That's not democracy. It's the denial of the right to vote. It suppresses. It subjugates. The denial of full and free and fair elections is the most un-American thing than any of us can imagine. The most undemocratic, the most unpatriotic. Sadly, he's the one that will only sign it if they pass it. It's all up to the Senate. It's passed the House in order to solve all of these issues. It has to pass, we hope, 51 Democrats. Have they confirmed that they can sideline the act? But they have to have all 51 of them. They have to get uh, Senator Sinema and, and Manchin on board. Am I correct on that, Des? Yeah, you are. Um, they, they, they will have to, they can do a simple majority on that one. Um, but they do need all 51 um, Democrats to vote on it. And at the moment, they definitely looks like they haven't got three it's the, the the numbers have expanded now. You've got cinema, you've got um, um, mansion. mansion, and you've got one other. I can't remember the name at the moment. Um, you've got one other, and 
so there is there is some concern about that because it it won't pass the filibuster, obviously, as you know. Um, and that's that's the dilemma for the Americans, and which is why, which we will talk about a little later, why, why the Texan um, state um, senators have made the decision that they've made, but which we'll, we'll, we'll examine a little later on. I just don't know how much longer this can continue because you, it, it, it's just, there is other things to get on with. Like at this week, the Senate talked about, or at least it was proposed that they're gonna federally legalize cannabis. And you just think to yourself of all the issues going on right now, we don't need to make everybody getting stoned legal. You know, the, the surely getting everyone the vote so they can make sure they got the vote after and could vote for it legal or not or whatever. But you're just thinking to yourself, it doesn't matter at this moment in time what you propose. You know, another fifty thousand dollars for everybody. You you've got to get this voter stuff. Otherwise, you are going to destroy these institutions. The system only works like a garden, as we discussed before, Desmond, between yeah. me and you. They have to yeah. be tended to. The system doesn't just work itself. It's operated by individuals and people that create norms and keep the norms as opposed to trying to destroy oh, every single element in the system. You know, why not just declare him king then? You know, do you know what was interesting, Dave, is we when we did our podcast early on in the early days, I remember that we were a little bit flabbergasted and at the vast numbers of uh, judge appointments by both Trump and McConnell. And we were wondering what on earth is all of this about? And this is now becoming quite evident. And but what's equally important, it's the judges have been grateful to their appointment, thanks to McConnell and Trump, but they are still operating um, uh, a legal system, or some of them at least, so the majority I would imagine of them, they're still operating a legal system where they're actually following the law. They're trying to push the law, and this is important in this case here because there's currently a hearing, um, and judges had to decide whether to sanction lawyers who sought to reverse the Biden's win in Michigan. And uh, we've got a clip here of David Fink, the attorney for Detroit, um, and 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 uh, he he's been deeply involved in the Michigan election sanctions case, and um, he can probably update us on currently what's happening there. Joining us now is David Fink. He is the attorney for the city of Detroit, representing them in this matter as these pro-Trump lawyers face potential sanction from the court. Mr. Fink, thank you for your time tonight. I know it's been a, a very long, very busy day. Hopefully it's been a productive day. Well, tell me about your aims here. Obviously, these lawyers did not succeed in what they ostensibly were trying to do, which was to get the state of Michigan to overthrow the election results, to proclaim their electors for Trump instead of Biden. The judge threw that out handily not long after they filed it. What made you, what made the city of Detroit decide that that wasn't enough, that they should face sanctions for bringing the suit in the first place? Well, if this case had actually stopped on December 7th, maybe we wouldn't have come for sanctions. But it isn't quite accurate to say that these lawyers didn't get what they were trying to get or accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. Any lawyer looking at the facts and law in this case 
would have to come away understanding that there was no way they were going to win the case. It was not possible from the beginning. So it served a different purpose. And what was that purpose? And it appears pretty strongly that the purpose was something they've accomplished. One, of course, they wanted to raise money, which they did. But two, and much more importantly, they wanted to undermine Joe Biden's presidency. They wanted to undermine faith in our democracy. And they succeeded at that. And if they're not held accountable, this will happen again. And that's what this is about. It's about accountability. And frankly, it's about stopping these lawyers from ever coming back to a courtroom to play these kind of very, very dangerous games. There were two things that surprised me in today's proceeding. Um, first of all, I was surprised by the length of the proceedings. Substantive, I'm looking forward to seeing the full transcript. Um, it surprised me to see several of the lawyers representing the Trump campaign or representing Trump's interests try to distance themselves from their involvement in this and say, oh, that really wasn't me. I only did a little bit of work on that or I, my name shouldn't have been on it in the first place. I wanted to know if that surprised you. I also wanted to know if it surprised you that one of the Trump lawyers seems to have broken the rules under which the court proceeding was held today when he broadcast a portion of it. He posted online a portion of it that had apparently uh, been taken from somebody's telegram channel. That was very much against the rules of how this proceeding was held. I'd like to say I'm surprised by what Lynn Wood did this evening when he broadcast in direct contradiction of the court's order. But I can't really be surprised because he has consistently flaunted the rules of our court. He has consistently failed to follow any of the rules in our court. He had never even got himself admitted. And now, today, he claims he had nothing to do with this lawsuit. On the other hand, when a Delaware court was considering rescinding his permission to continue to practice in that court, his lawyer bragged to the court in Delaware about his participation, Linwood's participation in the Michigan case. But uh, everybody's running from it. The people who signed the pleadings say they're not responsible because they didn't draft the pleadings. The people who drafted the pleadings say they're not responsible because they didn't sign the pleadings. Somebody's responsible, and the answer is all nine of them are. Because every one of these attorneys, every one of these attorneys used their bar card, the privilege to practice law, to tell lies to spread lies and to persuade millions of Americans of the big lie that Joe Biden wasn't duly elected. Of course he was. And everything in this lawsuit was nonsense. And they have to pay a price for it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Just to remind people, Lynn Wood was one of Trump's lawyers spouting all the election fraud claims that is the big lie. And it looks like they are trying to obfuscate their responsibility after they put in their professional lawyering business. And now they don't want to put their name to anything. It wasn't <laughs> me, sir. Oh. Isn't that sounds straight out of Trump playbook, Dave? <laughs> I, I didn't said write it. In it. Weeks. I haven't said it in a few weeks, but bumber clouts, there's bumber clouts <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> David's that's so that's no that do you know what what this is the most weirdest thing about it the judge said their affidavits were easily deemed untrue and false now they've been saying it outside of the courts 
and presenting it to the American people as if it's true. When they take it into the courts, the judges are saying, this is rubbish. And one judge described the affidavits as fantastical. And he, and he went on to say, did anybody, and he includes Trump's lawyer on this, question these claims? <laughs> these are the Kraken lawyers. <laughs> Do you think, I, I think maybe the wheels of justice turn too slowly, Desmond. Like somebody asked me yes. this week, why is Trump still a free man? And I think yes. it's actually quite a good question because all roads lead back to him. It seems, do you remember when he was running for election back in 2016 and he said he could shoot someone on Fifth yeah. Avenue in New York and get away with it? Like, that's what he actually said. And we now know behind the scenes, the generals were making sure or trying their very best to hand over a transfer of power peacefully uh, and not allow Trump's insurrection to pass, which is what they feared from the inside, let alone the outside, what we were watching. They were privy to a lot more. And you've had Michael Wolf's book out this week. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things he says is most of the people around the former president would give him interviews and speak with him because they were just so amazed at what they were seeing. It's like a therapy to be able to talk about it. And they can't quite, all of the people around him say he's unhinged, he, he's a megalomaniac, he's uh, uh, all over the place. And what people delude themselves with is thinking that there is some kind of plan. Oh, like he has made up his mind if he's gonna run in 2024 and so on. And what Wolf says really clearly is, no, if people think that of Trump, then they misunderstand the man. Every moment he lives in that moment, in that particular element of time, and everything is from the gut. Trump's reaction this week to discovering that Mark Miley, the um, uh, chief of staff for mm -hmm. the armed forces in America, was that if he, if he did want to do a coup, he wouldn't do the coup with Mark Miley. I mean, I can't, I don't think, you know, he might as well say I eat babies for breakfast. I don't understand what, he's just admitted it by saying that, like, what are you, oh, I just, there's, I think it, that it, it, I want these, I want the wheels of justice to turn faster, you know. I think one of the, the I think one of the dilemmas Americans are in is that they've never been in this situation before. They've never had a president who behaved so dishonorably as Trump has. But the reality the thing of, sorry, they elected him. No, but they elected him. So they have a responsibility to remove him from office permanently. The thing is, the founders and the framers, as the Americans love to go on about, you know, the, the American Constitution, which is sacrosanct in America, the way the framers and the founders who created America designed it was to was deliberately to avoid this very situation that actually the president is the lowest of the three forms of kind of yes. the legislative branch. And yeah. actually the Senate is the most powerful body because yeah. of the checks and balances that it has. And you think to yourself, they had the opportunity twice with all the evidence 
Yes, it normally forms down party lines, but this time, and especially the second time Trump was indicted, it didn't fall down party lines completely. And there were some Republicans, both in the House and in the Senate, that voted for impeachment. And you, in, a, in England, it's very different. You know, we, we elect a dictator in a way because we don't have a choice over those five years and it isn't directly elected by us. We don't pick Boris unless you're voting for him as an MP. And, you know, it's, they, they run the everything, you know, they can fight with the House of Lords and get it passed. It might take them a little bit of time, but they can do it ultimately. So you just imagine if you had the British system in America, what Trump could have got away with when he was in power. Absolutely, Dave. But it might but, be you know, more helpful for Biden right now if, uh, you know, if it was the English system. But one, one affidavit that was highlighted by the judge at the hearing, Dave, was... Um, <laughs> was submitted as evidence of alleged fraudulent collusion between the, um, the Democratic election workers and the US Postal Service employees. And the affidavit was signed by a man who claimed he saw a young couple deliver several large plastic bags to a postal worker who he said appeared to be waiting for them. There were no markings on the bags or any indication that of what was inside of it. But the witnesses said it was odd and that it could be ballots. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Governor Gretchen Whitmer and the city of Detroit have asked the court to issue sanctions and start disciplinary proceeding against Powell, Sidney Powell, and the others, including the uh, trial lawyer Linwood, alleging they improperly used the court as a weapon to undermine faith in the electoral, in the election system, or the election results, rather. Um, and this is this is what they've intended to do all along. Um, and to to what's the word emasculate um um joe biden to 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 render him powerless you know he's got a title but he has no power it's extraordinary that that of all things should be attempted to be attempted by by um somebody who's lost, clearly lost the election. Everybody says he's lost the election, near, or nearly everybody. Um, and as you say, it makes you wonder about the mentality of some Americans who have fallen victim to his cult-like approach. Did you power. see this week the Fox News presenter interviewing one of the, uh, a Democrat, and the Democrat said to him, will you acknowledge that Trump lost the election and the presenter tied himself in knots because he didn't <laughs> want imagine. to say yes. But at the same time, remember, remember there are still pending lawsuits against Fox News, against Newsmax for all the reporting and the lies and the consistency that they kept repeating the big lie. So all these things are taking time, which is very irritating and frustrating for a lot of people involved. But Absolutely. let's hope the, the, the scales of justice win out. 
If I may move on now, Dave, to indicted Trump Organization um, um, Chief Finance Officer Alan Weissenberger. Um, he is. It's 13 he's, hours. Oh, he's he was what? he was recently indicted for allegedly running a 15 year tax fraud scheme. He was what, um, Desmond? <laughs> he, he was, was re- he was recently indicted <laughs> yes indicted say it again say it again indicted, indicted. <laughs> for for allegedly we'd have to say allegedly because the conviction hasn't taken place yeah, um, but it's very running, certain eh? running a 15-year tax fraud scheme and he's worked for the trump family since 1973 that's Almost 50 years, Dave. He worked Um, for Trump Sr., Trump Daddy. Yes. And whilst expected that he will stay on at the company, the organization have been changing his title and duties and responsibility. (laughs) And the the Florida Department of State business record shows that he's he was previously listed. This is wonderful, as treasurer, director, vice president, and secretary of the Trump. Payroll, payroll corporation, which processes payroll for Trump organizational staff. And he himself is facing, as we know, criminal charges um, for... for, uh, for He's facing what, Desmond? He's facing criminal charges. Oh, so so lovely and delicious. (laughs) Anyway, he was additionally removed as director of the Trump International Golf Club in Scotland. Did you know that? Um, as well as that. And um, and uh, what else can we say about him? But he has pleaded not guilty, Dave. And if he is convicted of the top charge he's facing, um, which is, I think they call it second degree grand larceny, and he said grand larceny. Grand larceny. Makes me think of a lasso like cowboy days, but anyway. <laughs> it's, it's and he's apparently he's 73. And he could spend 15 years in prison. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And you know, the Trump bandwagon, uh, um, you know, this will 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 roll on for a bit. Because I don't think he's expected to face. Um, I don't think the criminal case starts until September this year. Can we move on to Can we move on to the Texas Democrats who fled the state? <laughs> Is this your heart condition? Is it pulmonary something? Like it just sounds silly, but anyway, it will all will be explained. We'll come We'll come to that in just one moment, Dave. I just wanted to to, to provide a little preamble to that before we came to that. But yes, you're right. In the pulmonary, the one that gives me a lot of heart problems. Um, me too. <laughs> but I will, I will just, just, just a brief, just very brief, is that uh, in an extraordinary effort to block Republicans from enacting new voting restrictions, Texas Democrats bolted again. Maybe we should give this more context. Maybe we need to reverse a little bit more. So basically, when you have a meeting together with all the senators or the you know representatives, so this in Texas in the in the state senate, and basically, if there's not enough people at the meeting, they can't decide stuff. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's not like me and you can just have a quick meeting and rule what we you have to have enough people. It's called a quorum. And what they decided to do about a month ago was they all ran away from the meeting so that they couldn't vote on it. And the legislation session ended. And then what the governor's done since is call a special session so that they can put through this voter rights rubbish and you can continue, Desmond. So, yes, so the Democrats have the, run away before. <laughs> yeah, they have. They did it in 2003. And what it did fundamentally, as you're right, it, it kind of um, paralyzed the chamber. It's just stopped business and uh, until the lawmakers, the senators return um, um, to con conclude the session. But the Democrat lawmakers has urged con Congress, they, they, they fled, they left Texas and they came to Washington, D.C. Why did they leave Texas, though? But why did they leave? They left. The Republicans wanted to pass what they call House Bill 3 and House and Senate Bill 1, which would add identification requirements for male voting. They It would also ban some early voting options and it would create criminal penalties for breaking election codes and empower partisan poll watchers. So it really would make it very difficult for people to vote in Texas. And the legislators fled Texas, all 50 of them. 50 came on a chartered flight and a further seven, I believe, followed later. And uh, as David correctly said, you know, the, the, they, now the, the, the Senate was not in quorum. They couldn't make decisions in their absence. And we'll come come to that in a moment. But they did they not also leave because they the speaker of the Senate or whatever can not arrest them, but detain them and bring them back to the building. So this is why they then left the state so that they have a you know, they're not caught so easily. Basically, they had thought of flying to off to other states like Arizona, as an example. And they even thought of flying off to Munchins, Munchins state, but they couldn't trust that, they, that the, um, the, the Democrat senator wouldn't um, provide some support to the Republicans to help return them to um, Texas. So they want to stay. If I just just gone very briefly to say- I'll they take a few to... of them on my sofa if they need a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've already, th these House Democrats have already staged one successful walkout to defeat the election legislations. When they left quietly, they left the House floor in the final minutes of the regular legislative session that ended in May this year, breaking the quorum and forcing the Republicans to adjourn without passing a voting bill. But the victory was always likely to be short-lived because they couldn't continue doing that forever, as Republicans control both the, both chambers, the, the legislative chambers. Um, so, but they risk arrest by taking flight because under Texas Constitution, the legislature legislature requires a quorum of two thirds of lawmakers to be present to conduct state business in either chamber. And absent lawmakers can be legally compelled to return to the Capitol. And Democrats express, expect state Republicans to ask the Department of Public Safety to track them down and return them, and return them back to um, 
to Texas. Um, so they're like they naughty school kids, didn't they? You know, <laughs> they bunged their lesson. Absolutely. And this is where Dave was talking about. They put, you say, Dave, the pulmonary. Pulmonary. You have to sound like a doctor, Desmond. It's your pulmonary aorta. I don't know. I've probably said something wrong now. Pul- pulmonary. Pulmonary. Inquiry. Yes. Which, um, and, uh, and, and, and Dave's had a short audio clip for us on that. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please say your inquiry. Is there any way for those members who have left the Capitol and the state to participate in conducting the business of the special session on behalf of the people of Texas? There is not, Mr. Meyer. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please say your inquiry. If a quorum is not present, can those of us who have stayed in the Capitol to do the jobs we were elected to do take up bills on the floor? That is not allowed under the rules, Mr. Meyer. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please start your inquiry. Can we at least hold committee hearings? We may not, Mr. Meyer. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please start your inquiry. When will the House have the chance to debate HB3 or any of the other items the governor has submitted for our consideration? Mr. Meyer, that is a hypothetical inquiry, but we may not conduct business until we have a quorum. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please start your inquiry. Mr. Speaker, can you clarify, are we able to take those issues up while Democrats are in Washington, D.C.? We may not, Mr. Meyer. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please start your inquiry. Is it true that the House rules were adopted by a unanimous vote? I believe that's correct. Mr. Speaker, parliamentary inquiry. Please start your inquiry. Under those rules, can House committee chairs and vice chairs be removed from their positions? They cannot. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Ms. Meyer. It's all very staccato, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Pulmonary inquiry. (laughs) The interesting bit there is that's a Republican uh, speaking, right, and asking all of these pulmonary inquiries. And you think to yourself, do you not remember when the the vote um, got in the federal, in the Senate, US Senate, that the Republicans decided not to turn up for. There's been a few of them. Remember? The job they were elected to do and they don't show up. No, the Democrats are showing up just elsewhere because they don't want to allow voter suppression to pass. And this is the best tactic they've got at the moment, which is to run away. I think it's fabulous. (laughs) I think it's so clever. And like you say, they can't continue doing this, but they can definitely have some fun and games and torture these guys. It looks like they follow their own rules, even when the Democrats are not watching. Like, why can't he just say yes? Why does he have to keep saying, you know, watch your inquiry every five seconds? Like, it's just, oh, God, yeah. You're you're right, Dave. You said, What are you saying, basically, is why, when are Republicans going to stop being such crybabies? Ah, <laughs> oh, they can't pass a law. We can't do what we were came here to do, which is to disenfranchise the people that voted for us. Absolutely. Oh dear, heaven help us. Right, let's so move, move, Desmond. Move on Time to is against legislation. Le- legislation to protect the voting rights. Yeah, we've um, been talking about it the whole yeah. episode. Yeah, and we'll talk about your um, chaps and. Some, it'll make reference to some of the comments you, you stated earlier. We've been talking a lot about the former man, but it's time to hear from the real president of America, the current president of America, Joe Biden. Indeed. Last month, Republicans opposed even debating, even considering for the People's Act. 
Senate Democrats stood united to protect our democracy and the sanctity of the vote. We must pass the For the People Act. It's a national imperative. We must also fight for the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act to restore and expand. Restore and expand voting protections and prevent voter suppression. Because here's the deal. In 2020, democracy was put to a test. First by the pandemic, then by a desperate attempt to deny the reality and the results of the election, and then by violent and deadly insurrection on the Capitol, the citadel of our democracy. I've been around a long time in public life. I thought I've seen it all, or most of it all. But I never thought I'd see that for real. Look how close it came. I mean, for real, how close it came. We're going to face another test in 2022, a new wave of unprecedented voter suppression and raw and sustained election subversion. We have to prepare now. We'll be asking my Republican friends in Congress and states and cities and counties to stand up for God's sake and help prevent this concerted effort to undermine our election and the sacred right to vote. Have you no shame? Whether it's stopping foreign interference in our elections or the spread of disinformation from within, we have to work together. But hear me clearly. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote in fair and free elections, an assault on democracy, an assault on liberty, an assault on who we are, who we are as Americans. For make no mistake, bullies and merchants of fear, peddlers of lies are threatening the very foundation of our country gives me no pleasure to say this. I never thought in my entire career I'd ever have to say it. But I swore an oath to you, to God, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And that's an oath that forms a sacred trust to defend America against all threats, both foreign and domestic. The assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. The Confederates, back then, never breached the Capitol, as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. I'm not saying this to alarm you. I'm saying this because you should be alarmed. I'm also saying this, there's good news. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be, for real. We have the means. We just need the will. The will to save and strengthen our democracy requires us to unite in common purpose and declares here and now, we the people will never give up. We will not give in. We will overcome. We will do it together.
and guaranteeing the right to vote, ensuring every vote is counted, has always been the most patriotic thing we can do. Just remember, our late friend John Lewis said, freedom is not a state, it's an act. Freedom is not a state, it's an act. And we must act and we will act. For our cause is just, our vision is clear, and our hearts are full. For we the people, for our democracy, for America itself, we must act. God bless you all and may God protect our troops and all those who stand to watch over our democracy. But act. Des, he couldn't have made it any clearer. I but thought yet, was... some Democrats will choose to still not move their asses. Yeah. 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 What more has to happen? There was a woman this week. So during the insurrection, they all had to, they walked away, more or less, right? Most of the insurrectionists and the FBI are still chasing various individuals. You know, a, an old civil rights campaigner, and I think she's a, a, a lawmaker in another state, turned up to the US Capitol and was protesting outside the chamber. And she was arrested. Did you see this one, Des? No, I didn't see it, Dave. Yep, she was arrested. I'll have to find her name out for next week. But that's the consequence. She was just went there to protest and to tell them to ponder. And I got the name now, the John Lewis Act. Thank you very much, Biden. And <laughs> yeah, she was arrested. Madness, eh? Madness. It's getting a little frightening, though, for me anyway. So. Remember what I said last week, whoever I was quoting, America always goes to the precipice and comes back. But each time it goes near to the precipice, like your little kid getting too close to the edge, your heart stops for a second. So, and I, I think what's interesting is, is watching British media, you don't see so much American news of late. It's like they're no. not reporting much of it. They, they you know... And I suppose in a way, it is a very cyclical conversation that just cycles round until they actually pass something or don't. But the Americans could be in a very, very difficult place. But thank God for individuals like General Mark Miley and uh, some of the other people we've discussed this episode. As you say, there are people there that pulls them back from the brink. You know, they get right to the very, you know, the very edge of the precipice and then you know somehow they're pulled back they've been very fortunate that trump is not a lot smarter cunning yes smart questionable <laughs> and you know he's a stable genius desmond he's a stable genius if people remember that one right there's i think that's it for this week's podcast what we got playing us out this week this was one you you bunged over to me i did indeed dave I just as it's interesting that we had this conversation about the the situation in the Texas Democrat who fled to Washington D.C. D.C. and what we have to remember about these people they have families. There's over fifty seven of them. They've got families. They've got medical issues, or they've got childcare obligations. So their three weeks venture is difficult. And it could possibly last for 30 days under the new Texas state constitution if they want to succeed with what they're doing. And both Cass Elliott and John Denver, who are singing us out today, refer to their fight against voter suppression in their preamble. 
And today, this year, 2021, 50 years later, their narrative remains unchanged. And it's leaving on a jet plane. Catch you next week, Liz. And you, Dave. Hey, everybody. A lovely lady, Cass Elliott. here tonight because as you this is about voter registration I know. I know that you've done a lot of work about that yourself yeah we're all just getting ready for a big push this is very important you know um if i can i don't know whether who's been talking about it so far in the show but uh i've been traveling around the country for the past year or so talking about our college campuses and trying to find out exactly what people are thinking and the thing that's impressed me the most is uh there is still in this country believe it or not after all the talk a tremendous amount of apathy Mm-hmm. on the part of people who maybe don't like the way things are going and maybe want to change it, but don't do anything about it. You yeah. know? And your vote and my vote is not any more important than anybody else's. They are equally as important and very important. And that's why we're all here to get everybody to get out and register. I don't think it's so important who you vote for. You vote for who you believe in. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is to vote because it's our way and it's the best way. And that's why I'm here. And that's why you're here, too. That's great. Do it. people that she's very eloquent lady. It's a song that I wrote that I'm letting John sing. <laughs> I couldn't have said that any better myself. I'll just walk over here until you ready. All right, let's see. Are you guys ready? Okay.